Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Hello. If you love God, say I do. I do. Man, if you're having a great time, say I am. Man, y'all are worshiping. I'll just tell you, it is something humbling about uh, standing up here and just hearing y'all worship Jesus. It, it just brings a tear to my eye, and it is powerful to hear y'all sing and worship Jesus. It's awesome. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you, and just like Jamie said, let us be present today. Let us be present right now just for these next couple of moments, Lord. We ask for your spirit to continue to be here, to be in our life. Let us be able to void out everything that's going on, um, and let us just be able to learn something new today. Let us be able to take a truth and and walk outside these doors and be able to uh, run with it. And tonight, Lord, I specifically ask uh, that we all learn how to be bold in light. Lord, be with us. For your name, amen. amen. Well, you know, I can't tell you over the past, I would say, I don't know, 12 to 15 years, I can't tell you how many people that I know that freak out over this this little thing. All right, it's just this little thing. Uh, a lot of people, they they spend a lot of their lives looking for it. I've seen people, they go to school to try to find it. I've seen many people pray and pray and pray, try to get it. It's something that they might spend a lot of money on. It might be something that they try to find in different avenues of life. Some people try to find it maybe in a relationship. Some people never find it, and some people find it very quickly. It's just this little thing called the calling of God on your life, amen? Just this little bitty thing, all right? And what I love about college students, okay? What I really love about college students, I kind of touched base on it last uh, last week is that so many of y'all, you've never really made a hard decision uh, or a grown-up decision for yourself in your life. Some of y'all didn't even know how to wash your own laundry until now, all right? And what I love about college students is that, you know, in college, uh, you, you start college, and for many of us, we learn that college will eat you if you let it, amen, right? It's, you either gotta jump in and swim or you jump in and, and fail. <laughs> Anybody been close to that failing point? Come on, raise your hands. All right, y'all are a lot smarter than I was. Awesome. Um, but for the first time in your life, this is, why, this is why I feel like God has called me especially to be a minister to college students, is because I would say it's about the middle of your freshman year to sometime about the middle of your sophomore year. Uh, these rose-colored glasses fall off and you start saying, man, like, like I, I, I grew up in youth group, or I grew up in this, and I grew up in church and like I knew my faith and all this. And then something clicks on you. You're like, I gotta make sure I'm in the will of God. Right? And you start freaking out and you're like, you fellas are like, man, I just learned another Bible verse besides John 3.16, for goodness sakes. Like, I'm, I'm growing so quick, right? I learned how to do my laundry. I learned not to, I learned that if, if an empty or if a full bottle of detergent is in the laundry room that I shouldn't use it, all right? 
Some of y'all don't catch on to that quite often. You ladies don't have to deal with this. If there is a full bottle of laundry detergent in the guy's laundry room, it might not have all detergent in it. It might have some other liquid forms in it that might make you smell like pee-pee, all right? And so uh, you're gonna have to learn that, all right? College guys, some of you just, your mind just got blown, all right? Some of you are like, I knew it was too good to be true, right? I'm gonna get an email about that later, aren't I? Some of you guys are like, man, I learned my new Bible verse. Some of you girls are like, you know what? I look back on my Instagram. I have the perfect coffee cup and scripture like posted on there. But you know what? Out of those 30 Instagram posts, I might've read a couple bit of scriptures. And you know what? I didn't learn the will of God for my life. And you start panicking, all right? From about the middle of freshman to the middle of sophomore year, you're like, what in the world? I, I just, I, I don't know what I, if I'm gonna do this right. I don't know what job God wants me to do. I don't know what anything. I'm so afraid of the call of God. I just don't know what it is for my life. Let me just tell you something. I wanna tell you something that, that I tell thousands of students something that might just calm you down just a little bit. What if Jesus only cares about how much you let him love you and how much you let that love carry on to other people? What if your whole life was only judged by how much you let God love you and how much you try to love God by loving other people? What if I were to simplify that just a little bit more? What if God really looked at you and only cared about you being the light of the world? Well, what about my job? I gotta do all this. Well, you gonna be the light of the world? Well, what about, what about a relationship in my marriage? Well, is she gonna help you be the light of the world? Is he gonna help you be the light of the world? What if everything comes down to the fact of your goal, your aim in this world is to shine bright, like, not like a diamond, but like Jesus, all right? In the darkness of the world. In Philippians, we're gonna turn there today for all of you super Christians that, that still brought the written word of God, come on now. We're gonna be in Philippians today and. I really just wanna kinda of teach the text and kind of learn about some prerequisites uh, that Paul lists in order for us to be the light of the world. And it's in Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15, and it simply says this, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked, and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We're gonna see just, these are just a couple of prerequisites that I think that Paul is trying to illustrate for us to, in order for us to be the light of the world. First off, he kind of hits us right in the face and he says, first and foremost, we don't need to be grumbling, we don't need to be murmuring, we don't need to be complaining about our situation. Now what I love about this text is Paul is talking to the church of Philippi. They are slaying it for Jesus. All right, 
Kind of like crossover is, amen? Give yourself a pat on the back, all right? They're slaying it for Jesus, but Paul was no fool. Paul was no fool in understanding that, that, that there are some problems that could arise in the midst of a church. He knew that there could be problems that the devil could use because that devil's a sneaky lion, amen? He's seeking to devour us. And he knew that the devil knew that in order to destroy a church or to destroy a friend group or to destroy a relationship that is built on Jesus, you can't take them from the outside in. Because anytime that we've been persecuted as the church from the outside in, everything, that, everything that's ever come against the church, it's only made us stronger, amen? But what he did know is that the best way to kill a church or a mission or a relationship is from the inside out. Paul, being wise beyond his ability, was warning the church simply about this is about complaining. And I think there's two reasons that, that he could have been focusing on this when I was trying to study this text. I think the first reason is he's individually, he wanted us to individually say he was wanting us to worry about not complaining about ourselves. Why do we, why God did you make me this way? Why, God, do I talk like this? Why, God, am I not smarter? Why, God, am I not sexier, all right? I don't have that problem, amen, hallelujah, all right? I got my hot wife, I'm happy. I make bald look good, right? Come on now. Happened at 25, guys, don't be judging, all right? God, why did you let me do that? God, why did you let me say that? God, why could you just, just man, help me here, do this, do this? No, this whole thing is just you complaining about the very essence of yourself and who you are. And to me, what that is saying is that God made a mistake about you. God made you the odd duckling. And instead of seeing this life as a blessing and a gift from God in the body that God made you, which is in his own image, which is in his own might, which has his own mind, which if you are saved by grace through faith, you have the spirit of God in you, then man, some of us, we would rather complain than try to proclaim God's name. I didn't write that down. I just kind of came out. Come on, Jesus. Paul, Paul knew that the devil wanted to take the church down, and he'll take us down individually if that's what it's going to take. The greatest way for a lion to attack is he waits for one of the prey to separate themselves from the group, amen? And the best way to separate from the group is start complaining about the situation that you are in. God wants you to love yourself. God wants you to love Jesus in such a way and he wants you to love his children and you need to know that you are a child of God and Jesus loves you for you. He died for you. He bought you with a great price and we should be in all of that. But 
He doesn't only, I don't think he only wants the focus there. I think also he wants us to focus about not complaining as a group. I think he wanted us to be protected from his people. I don't know of a greater way to destroy a church. I've seen this happen hundreds of times. I don't know of a greater way to mess up a friendship group. I don't know of a greater way to destroy friendships than this little word called gossip. It's easy to do and it's, un, it's impossible to undo. You know, for some of us, it's a, our everyday vocabulary. It just becomes normal. We actually get like honor and praise because of how much we can gossip. gossip. We actually get some ownership and some identity in how much we gossip. Anybody know that person? Right? You're gossiping right now, okay? I think that, I guess I could say a side note about this. Gossip doesn't only happen by, by what you say. And I want to say a side note about this because I think a lot of us are kind of in this circumstance and I've been guilty of this. I don't think uh, gossip only happens in what you say. I think some of us, we can be gossipers in what we hear. Because some of us, we might not talk junk about people, but we sure don't turn a deaf ear when someone else is talking about it, amen? You might not want to say anything, but you definitely don't leave the room when other people are talking because we like the know, right? You like to know what's going on with everybody. You like to know all the secrets that everybody's talking about. I think our gossip can be even in hearing. But gossip has two results. It's either to tear someone else down or it's to lift yourself up. Or thirdly, it's both. You tear someone down to lift yourself up. Man, can you believe the other day she did this and she said this and man, she was looking like this. Can you believe she came home at six o'clock in the morning wearing that same thing? She did that walk of shame. Oh my God, I wouldn't do that. Mm Mm-mm, Right? Man, can you believe he said that? He says that he's a Christian. He praises Jesus with those lips after the words that he was saying the other day, right? Like, we, I don't know what y'all gossip about. I don't, know the, I don't know the cool gossip anymore. Can you believe that they said this? You know, and, even the, and then we take it personal. I can't believe that they said this about me, and so I'm gonna say this about them, and we just gossip and gossip. We can, we can make it holy, as my pastor said on Sunday. Some of us can make it holy by saying, man, we need to pray for somebody because they're really struggling with this and this and this, amen? Nothing like some holy gossip. I think Paul was seeing the same problems that maybe some of us are facing today in their groups. Can I just be a little soft on you? No, because I don't do that. I'm gonna go ahead and lean in a little bit. I think that we are a filterless generation that cares more about your gossip being heard than his gospel being heard. And I have to tell you, 
something because a lot of us were like, man, I want, to, I want you to hear how I feel. I want to tell you how this person hurt me and what they said and what they wore. I want to tell you about this gossip and I want to tell you about that gossip. I want to tell you how I agree, disagree with them and what they said rather than us Christians, rather than us taking a step back from the chaos of this world and whatever is happening in this world coming at us, rather than taking a step back and taming our tongue, as the word of God says. Rather than us, with whatever is happening in this world, be able to take a step back and with the silence of our, our mouth, be able to just come back, come in tune with Jesus and start just focusing on God because we know that what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of our hearts and we need to let it just labor there in the delight of the gospel. Maybe some of us, we need to suffer a little bit just with patience so we can be eager to hear God's word because whatever comes out of our mouth should be smothered in the word of God so that people can hear his gospel rather than hear our gossip. So don't grumble or murmur or complain about yourself, but also I don't think we need to gossip and complain about others because it's not advancing the gospel, it's only advancing problems. How you talk about yourself and how you talk about others, I believe, illustrates how well you talk with Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. I think there's another prerequisite that says here is that we need to be blameless and innocent. See, being blameless and innocent, it actually requires a dedication to have integrity to do the right thing, which when you are blameless, you need to do the right thing, and when you are innocent, you need to do the hard thing. See, being blameless is protecting your image. Being blameless is being aware of your surroundings, and it's more than just talking the talk, but it's also how you walk the walk. A lot of us have a lot of lip service, but we're not really mat matching it up with our life. We're not really walking the walk. We're not really talking the talk. We're not really doing what we need to be doing in Christ. See, being blameless is protecting yourself to be an image bearer of Christ. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that, but essentially this is what I want us to say is there's gonna be, come, there's gonna be people that are gonna come after you. They're gonna judge you. They're gonna to try to tear everything apart in your life. And I, my prayer and my hope is this, is that they can come to us like they did in Daniel. And I believe it's like chapter three, maybe chapter four, when they were trying to find something guilty about him. I hope they find this about you because this is what they said. We found no fault in Daniel other than his loyalty and his love for his God. That's being blameless and pleasing God. Your life is also about doing the hard thing and that's being innocent in this world. I don't think I can say it any better than uh, Pastor Charles Spurgeon said back in, in the late 1800s when he said it this way. Blameless in the Greek context can be translated hornless or without horns, as if we were creatures not only that do not do harm, but could not do any. Like sheep that not only will not devour, 
for it were contrary to their nature, for they have no teeth to which they bite, no fangs which to sting, no poison which to slay. If ye carries arrows, let them be dipped in love. If ye bear a sword, let it be the sword of the Spirit, which is the holy word of God. But otherwise, be you everywhere, even among those who would harm you. You need to be holy. You need to be harmless. You need to be undefiled, separate from sinners. The manner that which you live, students, and I beg of you is this, is not to be calloused against this world, not to be snippy, not to be arrogant, not to be quick-tempered, not to always get your way, but always, always, always innocent. You can be without blame and you can be innocent when what you say and how you say and why you say is wrapped up for one purpose, and that's to glorify God and not to glorify yourself. So what's the reason? And I, that's just my intro. I wasn't, I wasn't even ready to preach. I'm already sweating through my shirt. My goodness, probably because I'm out of shape. And I ate a lot of Thai Thai before for now. Hey, when you go to Thai Thai, say that Brent told you. Maybe she'll start giving me some free meals, for goodness sakes. So what's the reason for this? What's the reason for us to not grumble? What's the reason for us to not question or to be blameless and innocent children of God? What's the end result? To shine as lights in this world in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So for those of us who are wondering, am I in the middle of God's will for my life? If I can just be honest, I mean, I'm just trying to explain the scripture here is that if we can't tame our tongue, if we can't love ourselves, if you can't get along with other believers, if you care more about getting your way than doing God's way, then listen, I want to say this out of love. I want to be able to meet you where you're at. Then most likely you're not walking in the will of God. You're not even, you're not trying to be the light of the world. It's a prerequisite for us to be lights of the world for this generation. But tonight, I want us to learn something. I want us to learn how to be the light. I want to simplify this just in two ways. I want us to learn how to turn the light on, but I also want us to learn how to use the light. So turning the light on, which what we are going to look at is we are to shine as lights in this world. I think some of us were lights in our bedroom I think some of us, we might be a little lighty, if that's a word, right? Around the kitchen table when we pray, all right? I think some of us, we can be a light and maybe in crossover. We can be a light maybe at church. Some of you fellas, you might be fake lights in, pr in front of pretty ladies. Amen, hallelujah, come on. Take a girl on a date. That's the holiest prayer you've said this year, amen? <laughs> Dear Jesus. Come and help me be sanctified today. Some of y'all, don't be, hey, don't be judging, all right? Some of y'all are worshiping Jesus. You got one eye shut, one eye looking at the girl, seeing she's looking at you, all right? I see you. Uh-huh. I say that because that's how I was, all right? I'm here to find Jesus, but if I find my wife, 
Heck yeah, right? Smarter, smarter. Where am I at in my notes? My goodness. But Paul puts a standard on which our light is to be shown. It's not to only be shown in our home, but it's to be shown in the world. Can you be a light if no one sees your light? Can you be a light if it's hidden in secret? Can you be a light if you never talk about it? Can, you, can someone tell that you are a child of God if no one has ever seen your light? If the scripture has taught me anything, students, and I want you to be very, very lis- listening. I'm, I'm coming up with so many vocabulary words today. Christian life is not supposed to be a private life. It's supposed to be a public life. We're supposed to be lights of the world to help this generation. And we can't help this generation if we have a secret relationship with Jesus. You've heard me say this before. Jesus didn't come and die for you publicly so you can live for him privately. I think to turn on our lights, students, we need to make our faith bigger than our fears. See, for the last couple years, I have a two-year-old Revan. He's, he looks like a six-year-old because he's huge, all right? Poor kid's got a jug head like his daddy, all right? But he's got that swagger, you know what I'm saying? But for the last couple years, uh, we've been taking him swimming, and I put him in, that, in the big old life jacket. It has, to be a, it has to be a little kid's life jacket, not the baby toddler ones that he's supposed to be in. So he's like this, and of course he's got a little bit of a, of a belly roll like his daddy, all right? And so I put him in there and we go swimming and for the first five minutes, the kid's like just thrashing, loves it, right? He's like, and he drinks all the water. It annoys the heck out of me. It doesn't matter what we're in, a lake or a pool or whatever, the bathtub, the kid's just sucking this water down. But for the first five minutes, the dude's just thrashing, screaming, having a good time, and Finally, when he gets tired, we try something different. And I did this for maybe the first uh, you know, couple times. I would put him on the side of the pool or on the side of a deck. If we're in the, in the lake, I'd put him on a boat. And I would always take a couple steps back. And I'd always be like, okay, Rev, come on, come on. And this kid, no lie, he was like, He'd be like, uh-huh. like he'd be like wanting to jump, right? And he'd like try to get as close as he could, and like he just, it's like his feet were just nailed to the floor. It's just like he was just trying to jump to me. I'd be like, come on, Rev, and like he'd just be giggling, and giggling, and finally he'd just get frustrated, and he just, he just wouldn't jump, and I'm just like, golly, what's going on here? But the moral of the story is this: it's his fear of the jump was greater than his faith in my abilities to catch him. Some of us right now, we want to take that hidden light. We wanna build that relationship that we know that we want. We wanna become the children of God that we have heard about. We wanna become the people of God that love God, that thrive for God, that worship God, that live for God in every facet of our life. We wanna take that hidden light that we have, we've tried to build and do all this, but we just can't jump. But what happens when you get ready to jump is that 
you start to walk out that door saying, you know, today is going to be the day that I'm going to start being the person of God that I need to be. And as soon as you open that, that door, all that fear starts coming in. All those clouds are going to start covering the decision to turn that light on. Your fear starts telling you, you know what, if you walk out and you start doing that, you're going to lose this friend. You're going to lose that friend group. You know what, you're going to have to start changing your life and it's going to be really hard here. You know what, let's take it a little deeper. Some of you, if you start living for Jesus and you start turning that light on, your family's going to disown you. Maybe for some of us in here, and it's probably a lot of us in here, is that that fear is actually doubting your abilities to be that person. I'm not good enough to jump. I've done this in my past. I've done that in my past. I can't be a light for Christ because I've done too much. I can't go and help lead people to Jesus. I don't know enough. And see what's happening, students, is when you're not willing to turn the light on in your life and be a light in this world, you're allowing the devil to put into your mind that it's safer to stay on the wall than trusting to jump in the arms of Jesus. See, the devil doesn't have to ruin your life for you not to be useful. He just has to keep you from jumping and trusting in God to be the Lord and Savior of your life and to go and be the light of this world. My beg for you is it's time to jump. Students, jumping out of your fear and into your faith is how you turn the lights on in your life. Trusting that no matter what you lose in this world, whether it be friendships, whether it be family, whether it be something that you think that was fun at one point, it's you jumping out of the fear that you can't live with it because whatever you get in return from Jesus is far greater than that. When you turn that light on, students, it's going to be scary. It's going to get your blood pumping, I promise. It's going to make you talk with people publicly. It's going to make you serve people. It's going to make you just love people like you've never loved anybody in the world. But God will build into you a life that you just could never imagine. And I promise, I promise, I promise, if you give God three months of you jumping out of your fear and into your faith, I promise you, you will never run back. About a month ago, Rev and I, we went out on my dad's boat with my sister and her three little hellions. I don't know. I don't know if that's appropriate. Demons, is that better, right? Spawns, I don't know. My nieces and my nephew, it was me and Rev, and uh, it was like 135 outside, it felt like. Your boy was sweating even worse than I am now, and we're pulling some people on the tube, and uh, Rev was there just chilling with my dad, and the rest of us jumped in the water, and now my nieces and nephews, their favorite thing to do was to jump off and try to splash me and drown me and kill me, all right? <laughs> but all of a sudden, Guess what happened? Big old Rev starts walking up. I didn't even see him. And he's like, Dad! And homeboy runs and jumps. It's the ugliest jump in the world because he doesn't know how to jump yet. Face smacks on the water. Has never been underwater before. Comes up. It's like, and like, you know, he's like, he's trying to decide, do I like this or do I hate this? And I was like, good job, buddy. He's like, yeah, he starts like going crazy. 
and no lie, for the next 12 minutes, the dude was like running and jumping, running and jumping off of the back of that boat. I was like, golly, what's the difference between uh, before and now? Well, the difference was, was the cousins. See, the cousins were running and jumping and showing and encouraging. They're saying, come on, Rev, let's jump, let's jump. And he was kind of nervous, he was kind of scared. But finally, he ended up jumping 12 more times, and he loved it. I think the very fact that they were jumping and continuing to jump is the reason why, why he finally didn't. Students, let me tell you this, is to turn on your light. You need to keep your light on, and you need to keep it strong. And you got to surround yourself with people that are doing the same thing, that are continually jumping out of their fear and jumping into the faith of God. Because I'm telling you right now, if you were trying to do this fight alone, you will instantly turn your light off. You will give up and you probably won't ever jump again. But if you surround yourself with people that are continually growing with God and pushing you closer to God, they're going to say, come on, bro. I know it's hard. Let's go jump though. Come on, man. Let's go. How, what? What ways can we grow in God today? Students, if you want to keep your light on and keep it strong, you got to surround yourself with people. Now, I want to be bold tonight. Can we say be bold? Let me ask you a question. I want you to be honest with me. I want 100% honesty. By a raise of your hands, who here? needs more godly Christian friends in their life to help them be better for Jesus. Raise them up high. I want you to raise them up high. For all of you that think that I cannot make a friend, for all of you to think that I am lonely, that is a lie from the devil. I want you to look at the people around you. Know there's a lot of people that want good, godly friendships. Don't let yourself just be so scared and so nervous. Go up to somebody that raised their hand and say, you know what, I wanna be your friend. I wanna go take you out. I wanna get to know you. I wanna be able to help you. I wanna be able to encourage you. I wanna make you a better person in Jesus Christ. Can we do that? Come on, can we do that? You become who you run with. Freshman students, let me tell you something that all these seniors know what I'm about to say, and they can testify this. Be selfish about your friendships those first couple months of college. Because who you become friends with your freshman year are most likely gonna be the friends that you run with the rest of your college career, and they're probably gonna be your friends after college. Be selfish about it. Make sure that they are running towards Jesus as much, if not more, than you are because that's gonna make you a better child of God if you surround yourself by children of God, amen? It's gonna make you a stronger light in this world. Turning on the light is taking that leap of faith and getting over your fear. But next, we need to learn how to use our light. So what is the use of our lights? I think a Christian should shine in their life 
that those who come near us, that those who do, that, that, that are in our circle or our sphere for even a week, I think they should be able to see something about themselves. I think they should be able to see the character in their life. I think they should even be able to see the sins in their life. I think they should even be able to see how lost they are just by the very aura of our life because we just act differently than everybody else. We should live in such a way that a person couldn't be around us more than a week without knowing the full gospel. From that, from the way that we talk to our conversations that we make with new acquaintances to how we handle altercations, from the way that we trust to the way that we struggle, I think that anyone who is around us knows that we're not living for ourselves, but we are living for Christ. We are to be a light. So I think the most obvious way that this is teaching us is that the way for us to be lights is for us to guide people to Jesus. Students, you want to know how to be the best light? You need to lead people to Jesus. Nothing in this world has been more addictive to me than be able to sit across a table from someone or sit on a curb with someone or be able to just maybe sit in a car with someone and just tell them about the love of Jesus in their life and being able to see that darkness just being taken away from their life, telling them how much Jesus loves them, Jesus cares about them. There's something about when I take that leap of faith over that leap of fear, And God just pours into me the boldness and the courage and the words to say. There's just something addictive about it. I think we need to use our lights to lead people to Jesus. I think next is we need to to use our lights to warn people. Much like a lighthouse, we warn people with our light about the rocks that they're about to hit. Christians should know that there are plenty of false lights out there everywhere. I call them wreckers of Satan. That's such a strong word, right? And they're always abroad. They're tempting us to the ungodly sin under the name of pleasure. They hoist this wrong light for people to come. Hey, come on, this is great. This is gonna make you feel great. But it's time for us students, if there's ever a time that has ever happened in this world, the time is now for us to stand on top of that lie and to hold our light out and say, do not come to this because it's gonna bring you problems rather than bring you pleasure. Seniors, can I just speak into your life just for a second? Have there been some things that you've learned over the past four years of your life that you wish someone would have warned you about? Maybe you ladies being able to take one of the younger ladies in this room and be able to put your arm around their neck and saying, you know what, I thought that I was supposed to be this way. I thought I was supposed to be that way. I thought, you know, I was supposed to dress this. I thought I was supposed to act like this. I thought I was supposed to do this. And all this was going to bring me pleasure. I thought I was going to be my boyfriend. I thought it was going to make me this way and act this way and feel this way. But guess what? It never made me feel anything like that. It actually made me feel worse than it did than I ever started. Maybe for some of us in here, maybe for some of us fellas, 
Maybe we can go take our arm and put it around one of the younger guys in here and maybe we can start and be honest and talk about depression. Maybe we can talk about loneliness. Maybe we can talk about some of the real things in this world and say, you know what? I thought I could go drown my sorrows in this. I thought she was gonna make me happy. I thought by doing this, this was gonna bring me pleasure. This was gonna do this and this was gonna do this. But at the end of the day, when everything would wear off, guess what happened? God would whisper in my ear, there is more. And let me tell you about Jesus and tell you what he did for me. And let that light shine for a warning and let it then turn into a guiding light with the end result of Jesus. And lastly, I think our light should be a light of comfort. I heard a story, all right? Heard a story about a guy that took a girl out on a date. And on that date, since he was so passionate and smart and great looking, he decided to take her out into the middle of nowhere to look at stars. What a bright dude, right? He was really worried about letting her, learning about God's creation. And it might not have been about the stars, okay? He was worried about God's creation, maybe not the stars. Parks his car, gets the girl, they walk all the way out into the middle of a field. Trees everywhere, everything. Got a great view of the sky. As soon as they start to look up at their skyline, cloud cover comes. This was before cell phone lights. The bright dude did not bring a flashlight. Couldn't see their hand in front of their face. Trying to walk back. They were like two miles into this field. And I couldn't see nothing. And then coyotes started howling. Things started ruffling in the bushes. He grabs a stick, because he's a, he's a hero. <laughs> and he's swinging it aimlessly into the darkness, shouting at the top of his lungs, get out of here, get out of here. In fear, okay. He told me. <laughs> and they're walking. She's scared. He's scared. They don't know what to do. And they're just sitting there because they were smart because he wanted to be, have some alone time. So they left their cell phones in the car as well. Awesome. But in fear, they just, they were crippled in fear. But they walked just a little farther. And you know what? By the grace of God, this girl happened to leave the map light on in the car. And from about a mile away, they were able to see that one little bitty light. And you know how much comfort that gave to those people? Because they were able to run towards the light because they knew that that was safety. And there was so much comfort and so much joy in just that little bitty light. 
Students, we have people in our life right now that feel so lost and scared and they're running aimlessly in the dark. They're running around and they're hearing things and they're trying to shuffle. They're trying to find their way in this life. They're scared and they don't know what to do. Maybe, just maybe, we can be that little light in their life that is calming to them. And when they come to us, maybe we don't judge them. Maybe we don't try to fix them just then. Maybe we just need to listen to them, listen to the problems and let them be able to see Jesus that is in us. And we'll be able to give them comfort in the midst of darkness in this world like they've never felt before. Amen. Maybe just maybe we can calm them. Students, I don't know where you're at in this life. I don't know many of you. I want to get to know all of you, but I can tell you this. There are some prerequisites to making sure you're in the will of God, and I don't think it stops there. I think it also continues when we are being a light in the world, and I think we need to use our light. I think we need to use our life, and the main point of our life needs to be directed to Jesus. Amen? Everything in our life, every facet in our life needs to be pointing to Jesus. We need to guide people to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for such a great word. Let us be able to listen. Let us be able to learn. Let us to be able to apply. And our goal in every which manner is for us to be glorifying and honoring to you. Tonight, if someone does not have a relationship with you and they want it, I beg them for them to come to our prayer team either in the either in the balcony or down here at front, and I want them to be able to just give their heart to Jesus. Maybe they don't know everything, but they don't have to. They just want to get to know you. Give them the boldness and courage to do so. Also, Lord, for those of us in here who maybe haven't been shining our light the way that we should. Maybe we've been closet Christians. Maybe we've been Christians that have been, fear, have been afraid of, of the fear of the things that we would lose. I beg that we're able to take those fears and we're able to take that leap of faith. Maybe some of us need to come and pray those fears away tonight and be able to take that leap of faith and for you. Lord, in all that we say and do, let us be lights of the world that fall more in love with you in every single day. Be with us. Give us courage for it's your name. Amen. If you would stand up and worship, please.